0: I love them. Now, do you do you pray for them by name? And and again, I want to qualify that prayer. You know, it's not a prayer. God, please kill them. That's a prayer for them. But that's not the prayer that we're supposed to be praying for them. We're, he he made it real clear that we're supposed to pray that God bless them. Now that's amazing. I, I, listen, I've been hurt just like everybody in this room. I'm sure has been hurt at some point or another, and it's it's really becomes. Real hard to just, just in your whole, in your spirit, to just say, God bless those that hurt me. It's really hard when you have to say that, God bless those that hurt somebody I love. Right. Now, it's one of the hardest things for a prideful man to do to truly forgive and pray for someone who has hurt us, but God says this is the heart of God. This is the example of Christ. This is the only way we will live in peace and not bitterness toward others. And wherever this whole world's looking for peace, but we could have peace if we would simply just do what God says and forgive those people, pray for those people. So that leads us to the next command and and actually the next command is right here if we just continue on reading. Uh it says If you love them, uh, which love you, well, Matthew five forty six. Look at Matthew five forty six. If you love them which loves you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Well, listen to this now. He says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, uh, everything God does is decently and in order. And, and I want you to, to recognize, until we are willing to love our enemies, we are, we are incomplete as Christians, and we are immature, and therefore we've got stunted growth. Amen. You see, God says that, that he, he tells us we got to first love our enemies. And he says, now, if you will love your enemies, pray for your enemies. He said, now you can become, you can start working toward this thing of be ye perfect like I'm perfect. Now, again, if you weren't here before, that's not talking about perfection, some sort of physical perfection we live in. That's talking about a completeness. That's talking about spiritual maturity, when we come to, to the spiritual point of loving our enemies and demonstrate, listen, and demonstrate that love by sincerely praying for them, then and only then are we even eligible to strive to be what Jesus commands us to be when he says be perfect. We develop a spiritual maturity by looking daily at our lives and being willing to make whatever adjustments God may reveal to us and do it willingly in humility. So every day, and and even right now, the Word of God, what it does is it comes out, it cuts in us, and and it should be just cutting away and saying to us, Are you willing to humble yourself and just do what I'm telling you to do? Are we willing to do that? Because that's the journey to God's maturity, God's spiritual completeness. The perfect mature life does not happen by age or number of years. It doesn't. It's not how many years or how old you are as a Christian, how long you've been a Christian. It comes as a process of intentional desire to grow. This is why we listen. This is why we have Bible classes. This is why we study the book of Romans through on Wednesday night. This, this is why we study and we're doing right now the commands of Christ. This is, this is also why we encourage believers to be baptized and why we have altar calls. All these things uh, and much, much more. But this is why we do these things because it, God says we're supposed to be growing in spiritual maturity. He said, be ye perfect as I am perfect. And God is complete, he is complete and forgive me but so many of us and and i'm i'm going to testify that 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 i'm not saying that i am complete i'm seeking to be complete does that i'm not saying i've got everything but but i spent a lot of my life i think like i was one-legged i spent a lot of my life saying you know i'm a christian i'm a christian i'm growing i'm growing You know, it's a whole lot easier to walk on two feet. And and God says, you know, so much of our lives as Christians, we are not growing to be complete in Christ. We're we're content. Now, the perfect mature life does not happen, just happens. Submission and obedience are essential to growing into the life of a mature Christian. So, it's what we're trying so hard to do here, and I'm going to try to give you just a little bit of an example here, a little illustration. You know, how many of you have ever gone uh, a while without food? Okay, Uh, you may notice that you become um, weaker. You may notice you become irritable. My wife says to me, you know, she'll, she'll just look at my countenance, and she says, you need to eat. <laughs> and I say,
1: why did you say that? <laughs>
0: no, she just, you know, when it happens to us, well, you know, food is essential to growth. Did y'all know that? Some of you must know it because you're growing. <laughs> now, a child cannot grow physically without proper food. They can't likewise spiritually we cannot grow without feeding are we okay Amen. first Peter two two says as newborn babes desire the, the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby you know God says that, that even the new babe needs to have nourishment but then that doesn't mean you have milk one time that that you know, just in anybody remember having a baby do you remember I remember my wife having to get up (laughs) it wasn't like they during the day she had to get up during the night I remember that that incredible effort that I gave to help her (laughs) I remember now the word of god is our source of food Amen. now it's another reason why the word of god listen this there's, there's reason why the word of god really should not be tampered with now i'm gonna give you a little illustration here a- and uh, you know as we go we got our bible class on wednesday night but and i'll hit this more in depth but but when we, you know, I was reading a little bit about, my dad used to say this all the time, he, he he was so frustrated with all the stuff they were doing to all the crops and, you know, just to make them grow. And he, and he told me one time, we were sitting there, he, he picked up a, a great big tomato and he said, son, that, that tomato doesn't have, doesn't have a tenth of what a tomato is supposed to have in it. He says the, the nutrition in it is not there. He says it's big, it's red, it's firm, it's all, you know, it looks like, it, he said, but it, it, it's empty. He said it doesn't have anything in it because they just throw in there what will make it get big and red and fat. Okay. So we can create a tomato that is big, red, and juicy, but lacking the nutrients that it's supposed to have to make it healthy. It looks like a tomato. It may taste like one, but it does not feed you like the real thing. Now, watch now. When you alter the Word of God, it may look like the Word of God, and it might taste a little like the Word of God, but it does not have the same, spi- uh, sp- uh, the same power and spiritual nourishment. I mean, it's such a simplistic truth, but it just doesn't. It does not have the same feeding. You're not getting the same nourishment out of it. So number two, not only does a human being need nourishment, but they need it consistently. Folks, I beg you, I beg you, you know... We need to be going to the Word of God. I tell you all the time that I wake up in the morning and I turn it on, just start listening to the Word of God. Um, I did it so much, my wife bought me a shower speaker so I could, I could go in and, and turn it on in my shower so I could hear it. And then I walk, she probably regrets it because now I turn it up loud. And so, but uh, but you know, you gotta be listening to the Word of God. You gotta be reading the Word of God. You got and, and, and we were just talking about, Mike and I were just talking about it's not how much you read of it it's just like it's not how much food you eat it's what kind of good stuff you get out of what you eat and so take some bites and chew them up real good and get something real good out of it but you got to do it every you got to do it regularly now not only does a human being need nourishment, but they need it consistently daily. It's obvious that each of us needs spiritual food daily, just like we need f- physical food. If we go too long without eating, we suffer weakness. I battled something years and years ago, maybe still, I don't know, but they called it hy- hypoglycemia. And I go, if I didn't didn't eat, or if I ate the wrong thing, uh, back then, I didn't know what it was, and and I would. But I, mean, I loved, I love ice cream. I just, did y'all hear that? I love ice cream. Okay, I don't need ice cream. I need to eat uh, pecans and 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 almonds. And they're nice <laughs> on ice cream. Okay, but. I, I would, I would get me a milkshake because I love and I would drink that milkshake, and man, that was so good. And about 30 minutes later, I'd go, <laughs> I mean, just out. Crash. They took me in to, you know, to have tests and they, you know, something's wrong with him, because I mean I'm about ready to pass out. I can't hardly stand up. They took me in, and they, you know what they did? They just dumped a bunch of some kind of sugar stuff down inside of me. And all they were doing is trying to see what it did to me. I could have told them before they did it. But they dumped it all in me, and they said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing fine. And, and, and they said, are you for sure? Stand up here. And I stood up and went, woo, because I was out. Now, look, that nourishment, I, I got to have the right food, and I've got to have it consistently to keep my blood sugar at the right place. And, you know, we have to keep our spiritual blood sugar at the right place. You said, what are you trying to say, brother hooker? Give in the word of God. Amen. Not only consistent nourishment, but a balanced diet. Amen. You know what? A balanced diet. You know, do you know what that means? That doesn't mean a donut on each hand. <laughs> now, in this progressive world church world that we live in now i'm going to make another correlation here and and hopefully you can grasp it but in this progressive church world where most of the churches today give one meal a week and it consists of a helping serving help a, a, a big helping of praise is simply leaving the people malnourished Now, I'm for praise, but when you come once a week and you spend about 40 of your 60 minutes getting a a serving of praise, I'm glad you got the praise, but you're not getting a balanced diet. And I'm not condemning anybody, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just, I'm about to tell you why we do what we do and why you ought to take advantage of everything that we do. You see, this is why we have Sunday school classes. Oh, let, me, let me help you. Uh, and I've, I've told many of these younger guys these days, and I don't know if it's necessarily just younger because I've got some of my sons-in-law are uh, preachers and, and, and really doing a great, great work, and they understand everything that I'm saying. But, but the, uh, uh, this is why we have Sunday school classes. And, and, and watch this. The original small group. I had one of these guys uh, as I was traveling, he came to me, he said, Brother Hooker, you just got to get with the times. He said, what's really going to make your church grow is small groups. And I said, really? He said, yeah, what's happening? Does anybody know what's happening? Somebody's who, huh? Ah, a transmitter. Whatever that means. Okay. So, he said he said, you know, we need small groups." I said, well, okay. Um, because you know we have to you have to have that to, to grow. And and I said, but but we we do have small groups. He said, really? Wow. Okay. I'll shut this off. How's that? Sir? Uh no, it's all right. The um so I said we do have small groups. He said, "Really? I can't believe you, you your your church has small groups." I said, "Yeah. I said we've had them for a long time. They're called Sunday school classes.
1: That's right. Amen. <laughs> Hear me.
0: Amen. I mean that's the original small groups, folks. That's why you have them. You get together in a smaller group of people and you study specific things. Amen. It's really not any different. Now, th- now no, there's a difference. We can't watch the football game while we have our small group." <laughs> I'm just here to encourage you tonight. (laughs) This is why we have services Sunday morning to encourage, motivate, inspire, praise God, and preach the gospel. And that's pretty much the way I try to have Sunday mornings as God allows me and directs me uh, that they be motivational, inspirational, that we praise God, that we preach the gospel. That's why we do it Sunday morning. But this is why Sunday night we exhort and sometimes correct and even rebuke, because that's what the Word of God teaches, that there's supposed to be a balance of that. And every once in a while, you know me, I'll throw one of those Sunday night messages on Sunday morning. Amen. You know, because we want to make sure we got plenty of seats for everybody. (laughs) And this is why Wednesday night we study diligently the Scriptures verse by verse. Amen. What we're trying to do is give a balanced diet in all that we do. And that's very vital. And that's why we don't come in every service and every service is not exactly the same. And it's it's not made up of three quarters of praise. Are you all okay? This is why we teach that each individual Christian needs to study... Daily, to walk with God daily, Amen. to seek God moment by moment. Amen. It's not for you to come listen to me and let me talk about what I got from God. It's for you to come and say to, in your heart, I'm just trying to help us, encourage us to go get it from God ourselves. Amen. It's what's called the balanced, mature life. Now, along with eating, right. Every life needs to also exercise as well. And spreading the gospel and living a faith-based life exercises our faith. So once we eat right, we consume right. Uh, My old preacher used to say this, you know, if you just eat and take in and take in and take in, if you take in just good food, what good are you doing? But you're taking in so that you can give out. That's right. And that's the exercise. You eat right. You eat daily. You eat regularly. You, you do everything in a balanced diet so that you can take and do something for someone else. Amen. Do something and try to help someone else. Do what you uh, then that that perfection now that maturity allows us to go to the uh, the next command that God has. And that's do what you do in sincerity of heart toward God, not a show to man. Do what you do. Here's if you want to go to Matthew chapter six, verse one. Matthew chapter six, verse one. And again, these build upon each other because you will not, until you learn to love your enemies, you you can't you can't get, you're not headed towards spiritual maturity. You're not getting to perfection. You're never, you're never going to get there until we start. God says, first, love your enemies. Amen. Once you start loving your enemies, and, and look, he's given us about ten commands or so before we get to this one. They all built on each other. Then he says, love your enemies because he's about to tell you uh, that you need to, to grow to a balanced life. But he says, until you get this one demon out of you. Till you get this one thing out of you, you gotta eliminate this one thing, and that. It, when when you're still holding on that you want vengeance to come to somebody, when you want somebody to hurt for what they've done to you, when you want somebody to pay, he, God says you're not you're, you're not going to reach this balanced life that I'm talking about. You're not going to come. But spiritual maturity is being able to say, I forgive somebody that's hurt me. I will pray for somebody that's hurt me. Amen. And so now that once we do that and willing to do that, and I and I've told you time and time again, I, you know, I had to almost. Die five years ago to learn this truth. I'm not saying I got this all together a long, long time ago. Five years ago, God put me in the hospital, put me at the verge of death, so that I would be willing to understand that even though I said I forgive, I had not forgiven, I had buried and subdued it, but I had not eradicated the bitterness. But when God told me that I had to eradicate, and watch this, you'll know if it's gone when you can pray for those who hurt you. But Matthew chapter 6 then, it builds upon this, is take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no a reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly." And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye shall, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know, uh, God's making it so clear. He says it's so easy to slip all the way back into the pride that caused you would cause you to not pray for your enemies. And honestly, all that is rooted in his pride. That's right. And so we go back to there, and, and God says that will cause you not to uh, desire. I'm not going to do it. They hurt me. I've been wrong. Me, 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 me. God says, okay, you got this straightened out. You're working toward maturity. He said,
1: now watch this now. Don't slip back into pride. Yes, sir. Right.
0: Because now, when we start getting a balanced life, here's the problem. When we think we are being perfect like God is perfect, we better be careful. Now, we ought to desire to be perfect. But we we all not think we are. That's
1: right.
0: Okay, uh, I. Uh, it's it's so so important that we just don't get to the point where I got it all together. Uh, you know, I, I already know what the preacher's going to talk about, and uh, I don't need that. You know, the truth is, we all need everything that comes out of here. Amen.
1: Yeah, and
0: even if you think you got it mastered yesterday, you may be slipping today.
1: That's right.
0: And that's why he goes from pride and comes right around and says, Now hold on, you're growing spiritually. Boy, you're praying and you're reading your Bible and now you think you're better than somebody else. Or, man, you're you're waxing eloquent, you're eloquent in your prayers in front of everybody and you're something else. And the Lord said, You just took a massive dive backwards. So he said, that's not why we do this. The truth is, when you fa- I talk about the, the the lengthy fast. Now we have a corporate fast here and, and for everyone to join us, but but uh, you know you have to talk about the fast then because we're doing it corporately and We want to teach on it and encourage it. And the 21-day fast we do at the beginning of, of the, each year that I've been here, it's been wonderful. But the extended fast, as much as possible, other than my wife or somebody that might be living with us, I, I, no one else needs to know it. People may begin to suspect it, but you don't, you, that's, you're not going around, man, I'm on, I'm on the 27th day. No, that's not the purpose of it. God says, you're supposed to be doing it for me. But it's easy to slip into pride even in prayer man has to fight this pride monster every day but listen there's there's not a greater demonstration of arrogance and pride than to perform an act that is directly supposed to be directly to god and for god but it's done in our flesh for ourselves that that is the height of arrogance When our worship of God becomes worship of self, all of our growth toward God and all of our growth toward this balanced perfection has suddenly slipped into a horrible imbalance. And so God says, this is so vitally important that what we do, we do for him. What we do, we do... Really, if nobody else knows, it's okay. If nobody else knows how much we give, that's okay. You know, if you're, if you, if anything, if you're doing anything and you're doing it because someone's watching, that's really not the best reason to be Amen. done. Now, if you're doing it because someone is watching... It's like this, not only end with this, but the, uh, you know, I, all the time, it's, it's amazing to me, but we all drive up here, and tonight we walk around here and shake hands, and everybody we walk around and shake hands with, wow that's some incredible Christianity no that's show that's all it is is show so you say well what should we do I just gave up I don't know about you I started, I just decided, you know, there's some battles you just ain't gonna win. So I'm gonna sit down and read something for a while. I'll sit in the car and when they all shut the doors and then we'll pull away. Say so what what happens if you're late? You know? I guess people get used to it. I get used to it. Y'all ain't never on time. Now, the truth is we're all working toward that maturity which means we're all going to have good days and bad days but if we're working toward the maturity the perfection and if we realize that the show is not what God wants he wants the reality then little by little we start to get away from the performance Christianity and start to get to the point where you live it. And what you'll find out is that you don't argue and fight over all these stupid little silly things like you used to. You don't get frustrated over those things like you used to. doesn't say you never will, but it doesn't happen like it used to. Because God is working on you because you're making an effort to be closer to him. Just like I told the youth when I was speaking to them, I served God for a long time. But my life changed when I started seeking God. It was transforming. And that's really what he's saying here. Seek me in the good times and the bad times. You just keep seeking me and your mind to a heart and mind will be on me. And when it is, here's the thing, folks. Somehow we think that God couldn't see in the car on the way here. Our tinted sunroof, he couldn't see through. He couldn't see it. But the closer you get to the Lord and understand what he's doing and his commands, what we're starting to realize, we're worried about human eyes seeing us when those eyes see us all the time. Mine eye seeth thee. Father, I pray that you would be a little bit of a blessing and.